This is the Magic Word Podcast.com. Hello, this is Scott Wells for the Magic Word Podcast.com. Happy New Year to everyone. I hope that you are having a wonderful time here, kind of what I would call in the cradle, where there's kind of, this is a week of blur. There's really not a whole lot that seems to be going on between Christmas and New Year's as people are just kind of uh, taking some vacation time, taking a breather after a busy uh, Christmas and Hanukkah holiday, and also uh, after the unwrapping of packages and everything else that's been going on, it's just Again, kind of more of a quiet time, it seems like, that we're having uh, now during this particular time. And so I hope you have a chance then, as you're listening to this podcast, that you might um, have some additional time and some funds from your shows you've been doing, perhaps to help us by uh, supporting The Magic Word and becoming a friend of The Magic Word with your financial donation and becoming a friend of The Magic Word. Just go over to the com and there you'll see a link that will say, join the friends of Magic Word. You can figure some stuff out, how to go from there. Well, as we start to go into the new year, there were some people who have some greetings to give you into the new year. I had asked if anybody wanted to give a particular holiday greeting as we started into the Christmas season, and we had a few people do that, and then I asked if anybody wanted then to say something for the, for the new year. And we then have a couple of people who now want to share their greeting for the new year. So first, let's welcome Mr. Brent Lipp. Hello, this is Brent Lipp from Hannibal, Missouri, uh, talking to you a few days before Christmas, wanting to wish you a Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, Happy Holidays, and continue to go out and do magic. Remember to trust God and your love. And now we will hear from Tom Vorjahan. This is Tom Vorjahan in St. Petersburg, Florida, and I want to wish everybody a very merry holiday season and the best wishes for 2023. You know, I've been friends with Scott Wells since the mid-80s. I believe we bumped into each other the first time at a uh, Austin Magic auction and have been friends ever since. And it's actually been growing and getting to be better friends here in recent years. My wish for all of you, since we are so connected and Scott's done such a great job, find somebody in magic that you either don't know very well or you want to build a little bit stronger friendship and make that a goal for 2023. I think the world will be a greater place. Scott, thank you for what you do for magic and for us and for all of you. Happy 2023. Thank you guys very much for your holiday greeting, and I, in return, wish both of you and your families a very happy and prosperous and healthy New Year as well, as I do for the rest of the listening audience. Well, on to this week's episode as we close out this year. This was an episode that I had recorded with Seth Kramer when we were in uh, Quebec earlier this year at the FISM convention. So it's been sitting there for a while, but we've had a lot of other things that have kind of pushed it uh, on down to now because it's like most 
most of our episodes, they are not time-sensitive. They are things that uh, have relevance any time uh, of the year or throughout the year. So that's why I say if you go back into the archives, you'll be able then to actually learn some stuff from uh, from these truisms that stay true from month to month, year to year, decade to decade. So a lot of the information that uh, magicians have told us over the years on the Magic Word podcast, you can learn from it then as well. This is one of those things that has some great benefit for you to listen to then as well. Seth has decades of experience working as a trade show magician, where he's also done bar mitzvahs and bat mitzvahs, restaurants, uh, cocktail parties, hospitality suites. He's just a wealth of information, particularly when it comes to corporate affairs and working for executives and uh, pitching their messages and that kind of thing then too. There are some things that he not only teaches, but he can share with you and has shared in his lecture notes, a modern trade show handbook, and he has a special offer that he is making. And uh, we're going to be giving away a couple of those. And if you hang around to the end of this episode, you can hear how that you can sign up to perhaps win a copy for yourself. So let's get right to it with my friend, Mr. Seth Kramer, here on The Magic Word. Today I'm with someone who many of you may have seen, may have heard his lecture. You may have uh, seen it on uh, on Penguin, may have uh, seen it perhaps at a convention from time to time. He has delivered his con- his lecture on trade show uh, contracts and everything like that and uh, is one of the uh, top trade show guys in the world here today. And we have been talking in the past, uh, as you listen to the Magic Word podcast with several trade show guys, uh, I wouldn't say this is another one of them. He is uh, someone who has has contributed a lot to help make trade show magicians better magicians. and uh, But it's not just trade shows we're going to talk about, because you've got so much else as far as your history goes with, with restaurant magic and uh, cocktail parties and hospitality suites. And there's, there are a bunch of different directions. Please welcome my guest from New York City. <laughs> here he is, Seth Kramer. Hey, Seth. Hey, how are you doing, Scott? <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, glad to have you here. And we've been talking about this for quite some time. It's good we to be have. sitting across from each other. Yeah, thanks. Here Thank we you. are in actually Quebec, Canada, and this we're here at FISM. And so uh, is this your first FISM? Have you been to one overseas? Before? I've been to three FISM. This is okay. my fourth FISM. We were in uh, Dresden, I did one in Lisbon, and one in The Hague. So mm-hmm. this will be my fourth. I went to the one in The Hague, um, and I didn't go to the one in Dresden. What was the other one you said? In Lisbon. In Lisbon. Didn't go to that one either. I'd been to a few others yeah, in Sweden. Good one. So Not too I, far from home. Looking forward. Yeah, you could have almost driven up. What, almost, about a seven-hour drive or yeah, so? Twelve-hour drive. Twelve. It's a good, yeah, good little drive. Yeah. <laughs> From the city. So uh, by using New York City as your base, you're able really then to, as far as trade shows goes, or anything else for that matter, being able to fly anywhere because obviously of international airports. Do you find yourself when you're performing uh, a lot overseas uh, that New York's a good place to be as opposed to flying in from Los Angeles or something? Or? Well, yeah, New, New York is a very central hub. I mean, it's really easy to travel. You know, I live most of my life on Long Island, New York, and mm-hmm. You know, we had uh, two major, you know, international airports, you know, JFK and LaGuardia close mm-hmm. by. So always easy to, you know, to route somewhere without having to uh, make hardly any connections. You can get almost anywhere from there. Right. I was just talking with Charlie McFarland, another mutual friend of ours who is a trade show guy. And he was saying he was getting kind of to the point that he's getting a little tired of the travel because he said he's mainly been working in Dubai. And he yes. said there's a 30-hour flight back and forth. 
that's a long trip. That is a long trip. And, and uh, just to recover from that travel, you need two days to recover before you can even do your show. So you need to get there mm-hmm. you know, at least a day and a half to two days before your show starts just to regenerate your energy. You know, that's good advice. I really hadn't thought so much about that for international travel, To Because uh, I'm thinking whenever, I mean, what, the shows I've done, they've been international, been in Canada, like when I've done Calgary, like some of the uh, other things, but mostly just across the U.S. And our time zones are not too far apart and reasonable. No. But, when, but when you're going and you're having a five or six hour or, you know, seven hour time change, time differential. That's, uh, that's a big difference. So mm-hmm. you want to make sure that you're well rested. And, uh, you know, I always tell my clients, you know, that's why I need to, if I'm flying internationally, I need to fly business class so I'm well rested and I need a day to recover, you know, a day to recover before the show starts. When you are booking flights, have you before had the company's travel agency book for you or do you always say, I'm on my own, I'll do it and just charge you or how does that work? When I first started many, many years ago, uh, I did use the corporate travel department, but as the years went on, uh, I found it easier. But not that I found it easier. I just found it more efficient for me to handle my own travel arrangements because sometimes there were shows that were overlapping. I would be going from one show to another. Sure. And it's hard to call a corporate travel agent and have them change a ticket that's already been ticketed. And then another company's paying for that part of the ticket. It just got too too cumbersome to do that. And you really can't ask another company to front another company's air travel Makes and then I'm Makes splitting sense. the charges between the two companies. It just gets messy. Sure. I assume, however, that you allow them to go ahead and book your lodging because you yes. want to stay in the same hotel as the rest of Exactly. Yeah, that I always allow them to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, I even even for a domestic show, I always try and get in a day in advance mm-hmm. uh, just so I can take care of my registration, take care of uh, checking out the booth space, making sure my table is there, making sure my sound system works and you know, that everything is all have all the ducks in a row. Yeah, right. Um, and when you uh, are traveling, as, as you said, it's it's good to, to be there plenty in advance. I was, speaking of Dubai, uh, had a company that wanted me to come over, and they asked for a quote. But the prices, and same thing like with you, it's like, I'll book my transportation, you get the lodging. And uh, as I was doing that, the transportation kept changing. The closer we got to the date, and they couldn't make a decision. They couldn't get out the bubble. Mm-hmm. And it was going from 1200 to 1500 to 2000 and it gets to be kind of ridiculous. And I was having to go back and revise my my contract with them. So in a situation like that, do you give them deadlines or say this contract is to a certain point and then no longer valid? Or well, what would you do in a case like that? Yeah, that's a, that's a tough situation. I mean, I probably wouldn't do that research. You know, I, I'd say this is what this is what the ticket is now, but whatever the ticket's going to be, I, I don't oh. put a markup on the, I don't put a markup on the flight. It is what it is. Whatever the ticket's going to be is what sure. the ticket's going to be. They know that it's a business class flight. They know the earlier they book it, the less expensive it's going to be. And if they wait, they wait, you know, until they make a decision, you know, that's that's really going to be ah, that's on good them. advice. That's going to be on them. I should have talked to you earlier because that would have been the way to do it. To say, look, here's my price for doing the show per yeah. day, per day, and plus, per diem that I need. Plus this, yeah, plus plus a flight, whatever it happens to be, and I will pass that through. Yeah. Um, As they say in the restaurants, market price, market price. Yeah, <laughs> whatever the lobster is today. Yeah, yeah, good point. Uh, and uh, in your 
uh, book of uh, what is this, the uh, lecture called as far as the trade show? Oh, the, the modern trade show handbook. Yes, that is, I think, the Bible uh, for anyone who oh. is in a trade show and wants to do a trade show. I was in contracts before. I understand. And I've written a lot of contracts, hundreds of contracts, but it's been in another industry in another lifetime. But for trade shows, this is completely different also. And with your experience, it is so professional. And to have the contract with you when I go into talk with a client and have that already out and available and then hand the pen and say, okay, we've talked about everything. You've said, okay, go ahead and assign this. Yeah, and that, that's the way I was able to do it. You know, back again, many, many years ago. Mm-hmm. You know, and things change. You know, now I don't get to see my clients face to face all that often. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, since the pandemic, it's been kind of interesting. Uh, Zoom has been a really great selling tool mm-hmm. to be able to go on Zoom and meet with clients face to face over Zoom uh, has really been uh, a, a real, a real benefit. A real benefit to be able to do that. Have there been new clients? Uh, yeah, these are new clients. My old clients, you know, I don't need to see them face to face unless you know we're doing a, a pre-show meeting. But uh, new clients, is, it's just a great selling tool. They get to see me face to face, and sure. they, you know, I, I could even demo a few things if need be. Um, they could ask me questions. I, I just think it's easier to do this over. Uh, a Zoom, a Zoom call, than it would mm-hmm. be for me to try and describe it in an email. Exactly. Um, if you read my book, you'll see that I'm not a huge fan of magic videos in general, mm-hmm. so I don't really believe in having a, a demo tape. It's okay to have one. Uh, it's okay to put little snippets together. But I, I think, it, and I've said this many times before in my lecture and in the book, uh, it just gives it just gives the client reasons to say no, you know? Hmm. I don't like the way he speaks. I don't like his accent. I don't, you know, he's too old. He's too young. Uh, I don't like his, you know, this or whatever. You know, his hair's too long. His hair's too short. His hair's too gray. Right. And just people make decisions sometimes based on on things that just make no difference in, in what the show, what my show is, or what my capabilities are, mm-hmm. or what any performer's capabilities are. Um, you try and get a perfect demo tape, and you know I do have snippets that I if a client insists, I can send them a snippet, but I won't send them a whole. You know, now when you say a snippet, do you mean three to five minutes? Oh no, not even. Not even. We're talking ninety seconds to uh, okay. you know, two minutes. So it's just kind of a uh, flash film, basically. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Uh, so just to see the crowds that I draw, mm-hmm. to see the people there, maybe. Um, you know, 60 seconds of me actually performing and um, injecting a message into the, you know, into the into the presentation. But do you find that by using a Zoom call, it is as personal? Of course, they can see you kind of eyeball to eyeball, uh, as opposed to, I mean, do you get the, the same kind of feel by over Zoom as you would if you're actually in an office with them. I guess of it's the next not. best thing. Yeah, it's the next best thing. Okay. I, I don't have to fly to you know to New Atlanta York, to well, see them. Atlanta, I don't have to fly case. to yeah. you know wherever to see them, and right. it's expensive. I mean, just the, for a meeting that may or may not exactly. You know, any I would I would have to charge them to do that now. Mm-hmm. It's just too expensive to do that. And I tell them, you know, I'll fly out there, and it, you know, if you do book me, you know, I will, you know try and give you some sort of a credit for the money that you spent mm-hmm. to fly me out or we'll work it out some way. Mm-hmm. But yeah, if they insist on flying me out, then, you know, that they, they, they have to, I'm not going to do it on my own dime. 
It just doesn't make sense anymore. No, it wouldn't, because they could use you against other people, too. Say, hey, we had someone else uh, we're looking yeah. at, and we had them come out. And and with the technology now, it, it really doesn't make sense to have to go there. If, if it's a local client, you know, I live in, in the New York area, so if it's someone New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, you know, I will have no problem, you know, meeting them face-to-face if they insist on doing that. But, you know, to have to travel, you know, take a flight somewhere uh, unless somebody's absolutely insistent on it and they're, they yeah. agree to pay for it, then there's really no need to do that. Well, when I've been across the table with them, I find whenever that I could say, well, let me just show you something and then put something in their hand or have them pick a card or do a sponge rabbits or something, you know, right. that that they are involved with. And it's just the expression on their face when they're holding something. Of I mean, course. obviously there's, there's nothing, but we have over the last couple of years and due to COVID have learned to adapt to Zoom and Correct. to do things that can be done, you know, just think of a card or name a card right. or whatever. You don't have to have them pick one. Something as simple as a brainwave deck is exactly. great on Zoom. Mm-hmm. And, and it's something as interactive and it's something that they can see and it's something, it's, it's amazing. I mean, brainwave or invisible deck is one of the greatest tricks ever. It really is. Um, in fact, I've talked with uh, several dealers who will not share the invisible deck with new people who come in for the first time although it is a great and easy yeah. beginner trick they say if we do nothing could top that because they'll come back and say what else you got well nothing's going to be as good as that so you got to kind of feed them a little at a time until you finally about the sixth time to introduce and, them to, and the to be honest deck. I, the brainwave deck and the invisible deck is something that i, I don't even do in my live show there's, mm. there's, it's just something i don't even do now when it comes to performing then over a zoom meeting let's say with a first-time client or mm-hmm. something do you have things ready to go or you have like an outline that you talk with them which would lead into for an example let me show you a trick kind of a thing uh yeah so going into the going into a meeting you know we talk about you know i kind of have an agenda i Mm -hmm. want people you know the first thing i want to know is more about them I want to hear from them what their expectations are, Mm -hmm. rather than me trying to figure out what they need. I know what they need, but I want to hear from them what they need. Mm -hmm. So I try and get as much information from them first. I say, tell me about past shows that you've done. What have you done to draw traffic to your booth? How did that work out for you? Um, What are your expectations for the show? Uh, Most of the people who I meet with are people who've actually seen my show. So they know Mm -hmm. what my show Mm -hmm. is and they they already like it. You know, at that point, it's a question of seeing if it's going to be a good fit for their product, for their company. I know it's going to be a good fit, but I have to convince them that it's going to be a good fit. It's it's really, for for most products, it's a good fit. Yeah. There are some products that might not be the best fit, have you ever walked away from a company like that? I've never done that. I've never had a gone to a company and said they want me, and I said, "Well, my my show is not a good fit for you." That would be mm-hmm. not good business, in my opinion. But there are definitely products, and I call them in my in my book. I call them you know invisible products, things that are not easy to demo. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, Insurance, for example, how you demonstrate, you know, an insurance policy mm-hmm. or, you know, things like that. Things that are, that are invisible. Intangible. That, and, yeah, you know, intangible mm-hmm. that you can't really demo. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You can't demo the product. Uh, a product demonstration is great. And, um, you know, I've done so many shows. I've done probably more than more than 600 trade shows in my career. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've done 
pretty much a whole run of different different types of products, mm -hmm. uh, services that companies have, and um, you know I always find a way to make it work. You know, I always find a way to make that work. Do you do very many illusions? I know some guys like Paul Gardner or other people do not only close-up, but also they'll be doing like the wakeling sawing or something. Right, you know? and I, I, I've Origami. done that. Yeah, if we have the space and the budget for it, I've done I've done the uh, a cube zag, for example, Jim mm -hmm. Steinmeier's modern art. Do you have that in your warehouse? Just... Yeah, I have those uh, okay. now in my yeah, my storage facility. Yep, mm -hmm. those are uh, those are great illusions because. They can be done relatively close up. And surrounded. And they can be done surrounded, and they bear repetition. Good point. Yeah, so um, it's not, not the thing that I sell a lot of these days, but it's there if a company wants, wants to do that. So really you're pitching more of one-on-one -on -one and trying to attract a crowd to the booth with just get, get cards the, and things or what kinds well, of... Yeah, my, my close-up set, you know, my, my Penguin lecture that I did that you mentioned at the beginning... Um, starts off with my actual trade show act. Mm -hmm. So I do my real act that I do for real people. It's my what I call my core set, mm -hmm. which is a card routine, a ring on string, um, a uh, card in impossible location, and a uh, an ending wrap-up trick that I do. And it's so four, four tricks, basically. Four and pieces. And how long? 12 minutes. Okay. And... It's designed to be modular, so I can sure. put things in and take things out mm -hmm. and change it up if I need. I have probably 30 things I can choose from that I've done, each mm. of them tens of thousands of times, you know, sure. from, you know, so maybe this show I won't do, uh, you know, the ending, this ending, I'll do another ending, or I'll do a 10-card poker deal instead of an ambitious card routine, or I'll do uh, the Wellington Magic Switchboard to open instead sure. of... Uh, you know, quadruplicate mystery from Paula Paul. So. Well, sometimes you find at trade shows, uh, like I'm sure I do, is where people will come back and say, hey, show this guy such and such. And you start seeing a repeat. It's like, they must of really, course. at this show, dig this trick, you yeah. know. And, I, you know, of course, built into that trick is the pitch of uh, about the product and everything. So they kind of got to go through everything else as well. But Yeah, and everything has a pitch. And, and I don't like people to see the same things over and over again. So although what do you do? I, I do, what? Well, so what do you do? Yeah. So I think my show. I think my show is fairly bulletproof, mm -hmm. uh, and I can say that because I've had clients who've had me in their booth for ten years or more and still have no idea how <laughs> many of my things are done. Uh -huh. I mean, of course, you know, seeing it that many times over so many days over so many years, mm -hmm. you know. I don't care if you're Houdini. You know, you're gonna, yeah. they're going to pick something up, right? You know, little things here and there, and I try and be. You know, I, I never tell them if they're right or wrong, but you try and uh, not give it all away. And there are certain things that they'll, they never figure out. Mm -hmm. And those are the things that I know that are bulletproof. And those are the most important, the most important secrets. So trying to customize a, a show for a show for a client, do you take the product and what it is they're trying to sell? Like I say, when you, you're talking with the client to say, what is it you're trying to sell? What what do you want to get across over here? What is it the thrust of this? What is your outcome? And once you figure that out, uh, then do you try to get the the tricks structured around the and, and design your message, or do you try to force fit into that series of tricks, four or five tricks that you have in your in your arsenal? to fit the uh, the subject? It's not that I force fit it. So what I do is I 
again, going back to the trade show book, there's a questionnaire. Mm-hmm. So it's always rather than me trying to figure out what their message is, it's much better when the client comes to me and says, this is what we need them to walk away knowing. Mm-hmm. And that's basically what the, what the questionnaire is designed to do, find out what the most important message is, what they, you know, the most important six bullet points that they want everybody to hear over and over again, and you know, basically deliver the message that they want delivered. Mm-hmm. And they tell me what that message is. And the way my show is structured, I can take their message and fit it into those core four tricks. And it's not so much that the tricks are, are, I don't know how to say this properly. Um, The tricks are not a visual indication of the message. Does that make sense? That makes sense. I understand. So not a visual reference to the message. You don't say, like, this ring represents service. I try not to do that. I try not to do things like that. I basically will find places in my routine where I could pause and then explain a couple of things. Hmm. Okay. Put a little piece of a message. Then in another spot, pause, and then put in another piece of the message. I mean, you'd be doing the trick and then pause and say... Or in between tricks. Okay. So you could do a trick just straight like you normally would, Correct. and then, okay, we're done with that trick, And but while you're here, let me tell you about uh, exactly. this product, and then let me show you another trick. And sometimes we huh. can do that, and they and it kind of flows. Sometimes sure. the message is embedded within the trick. Sometimes it's embedded between tricks, Okay, if that makes sense. It does. Yeah, it's a, just a different style. I try to embed everything that I want to say about the company in every trick. Yeah, you you want you want to you want to hit bullet points, sure. Uh, but there are just some tricks that just don't allow you to do those pauses. I agree with that, which is why that I would try to design tricks or think of. We all know too many tricks. We just need to have good presentations. I think the trade shows give you a perfect opportunity to write a script for a presentation for the tricks that we know. So Correct. once I know what it is the client wants, then I think, okay, what tricks can I put into this to deliver that message? Right. And and I can do that to some extent. I do like to do the tricks that I you know, they, that they say to have you 10,000 hours. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Those are the ones that, you know, the 10,000 practice runs. Sure. Those are the ones I like to do. And of the 30 tricks that I do, I can say 90% of those have the 10,000 mm-hmm. hours or way more for some of them, <laughs> 10,000 or more performances. And I like sure. to give those, I like to use those yeah. rather than finding something that I've only done a handful of times it's that I'm going to have to think about while I'm doing the show and have mm-hmm. to think about the presentation and think about the method. And, you know, it's not muscle memory at that point. It's exactly. me thinking of the script and then me thinking of how does this new th- trick work? And it's just too many things to think about. So I'd rather take the routines oh, that see. I've done 10,000 times. So you're not thinking about the trick. So I'm not thinking you're about concentrating the about the company and exactly. the, message. the message is all in my head. Yeah. Um, changing subjects a little bit, um, you've been around longer than most. I had talked with uh, Anders Boulanger, and he has his, he's a trade show magician, but mm-hmm. hasn't been working the number of years uh, you have. 
going back to the beginning and before you, how would you say the trade shows have changed, let's say, from Bud Dietrich and Dick Ryan and uh, those guys to where we were pre-COVID and where we are now? Um, when you say change, do you mean uh, as far as protocols? Yes. I mean, not health, health protocols? Yes, and as far – well, it, in other words, our, our companies – more prone to have magic as a drawing tool uh, back then or now, or is it the same as far as using a magician? I mean, I remember that uh, Francis Ireland in the success book was talking about magicians and there was an interesting and very excellent article and a lot of research had been done. And they were talking about the percentage of people who stop at booths. If you have, let's say showgirls or you have uh, a celebrity uh, sports figure who's signing right. autographs uh, versus a magician or a band or you know somebody whatever you get my point so it's just um, things have come and gone I mean showgirls was not socially acceptable anymore for to attract uh, to a booth as it used to be certainly uh, but uh, different things I'm saying that have changed and in in the messages and whether companies are really wanting to have and looking for magic and magicians now I think they are I think okay. magic is very popular now you know with okay. all the magic that's on television I think it's a very you know, I think we're in another golden age of, of magic at this point. I can There's agree with a that. A lot of a lot of magic on television, and people, you know, it's really in people's consciousness uh, consciousness now. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think that um, I think it's a good thing. I, I don't see that it's uh, really changed all that much. I think companies that uh, would entertain an alt- alternative a marketing presentation such as a magician in their booth are going to mm-hmm. still do that uh, there are companies that would never entertain that idea yeah and they're still around as well so it's just a matter of finding the right company and finding the right people who uh, who are going to you know kind of embrace the idea of having right. a magician in their booth i'm sure you like me have had some companies who are calling and saying for the first time and saying we haven't ever had a magician but they're going to be having magic as a theme for this year's convention and we wanted to have a magician and we have never worked with one we don't know anything about you right um how do you i mean that's like a bird nest on the ground i mean they're looking for a magician of to course. begin with yeah. but you're trying to sell them on the fact that hey i can also tie in a message i mean in exactly. other words people are looking a little bit different normally they come to you because they want to find something to enhance their message but now they're just looking for a party magician basically right and i again i try to always tell them it's not so much about the magic that i do although because it's a magic theme it's going to be a great fit mm-hmm. i say but more than a great fit uh I'm also going to be able to promote your company. Mm-hmm. So that's the advantage that you're going to get hiring someone like myself. But they don't realize that or even know what you do necessarily. Well, I tell them. I yeah. tell them what I do. I say, not only am I going to be able to fit the theme of the show, I will also be able to promote your company as well. Mm-hmm. So it's a marketing tool rather than just a magic show. And do you sometimes also do the presentations for them, or you do when they do have speakers? Do they ever? I'm sure they do from time to time. Ask you to do the. Speaking. I will do a demo. I will do a demo yeah. for them. Um, like if they have a product demo, I've done medical devices, I've done mm-hmm. uh, automotive products, and I learn a quick. You know, I come in a day before and stay with one of the salespeople, and mm-hmm. they'll spend a couple of hours with me, and we'll go through a quick. A quick pitch, and I'll learn how the product works, and and I'll demonstrate it. You know, I, mm-hmm. I, at the end of my show, rather than turning it over to a salesperson of the company, I will take over that demo, 
and then do the demo and then turn them over to the sales team. But you're not doing any magic. You're basically no, acting as a salesman. No, I'm doing the, oh, I'm, you do magic as I'm well. I'm getting gathering the people with the magic. Yes. Delivering my sales messages and say, by the way, this is uh, how this product. This works. is how this product works. Huh. And sometimes, you know, I have the thing. You know, it's so easy. A magician could do it. Hmm. You know, so it depends on the product. Well, that's the thing. Uh, as I've talked on this podcast about before, where people then would come to you at the show and say, ask more in-depth questions in right. which you'll say, well, you need to talk to Joe. Well, don't you work for them? Well, today I do. How do you answer that question? I tell them, uh, you know, uh, they, they give me information on a need-to-know basis. So that's, that's what I tell that's what they. <laughs> and that's I think what you I need to know that, and this guy will be glad to tell exactly. you. Exactly. <laughs> so I, I said, they give me this much information. You need this much information. Yeah. So. But but yeah. do they then say, oh, so you're just a hired gun for the day? Yes. Eventually and they, I, you know, I don't lie to them. Yeah. You, know, you, you, tell, them, you tell them. Try to say you're an employee. You say, but this, you know, here's the expert. Here's the real expert. And, right. But I'm glad right. you enjoyed my presentation. What's one of the, the coolest gifts that you, I mean, of course, you're always trying to give things out, and you've seen some pretty cool things out. Oh, actually. there's so many. You know, again, companies sometimes, they, they don't quite get it. You know, they, mm. they do these raffle, you know, these raffles. Of for iPads and iPads stuff. and you know, Apple products. Golf clubs. Yeah. And uh, my opinion, you know, if you're giving away an Apple product, all you're doing really is you're... Helping Apple? Yeah. You're pumping Apple. Huh. Hadn't thought of that. You know, or the golf club company. Or, so if you sell pumps, you should be giving away... Yeah, a, give away a pump. Hmm. You know, give away a free consultation. Give away sure. something that... that is about your that, company. Yeah, about your company. Huh. Um, you okay. know, as a grand yeah, prize. Yeah. And, and as far as little little giveaways... God, there's so many of them that are that are fun, you know, fun little giveaways. My my favorite is the screaming flying monkey. What is that? Oh, it's a cute little monkey that on a slingshot, and mm-hmm. you put it on your two fingers, and you pull back the tail, and it's wearing a cape. Yeah, with uh, the company logo embroidered on the cape, and you pull it back, and it flies through the air about twenty feet in the air and it screams as it's flying. So <laughs> I have seen that. I just want yeah. to hear your explanation. So, so <laughs> the description are, of it. <laughs> that's my what I thought was one of the clever clever it, it giveaway. Is because that's something they can come home and then let the kids annoy them with. Yeah, you know? it's fun though. It's a fun one. And, and that's most of the things. It seems like when people are going through trade shows they'll take like a picnic basket or trick or treat bag full of stuff and you know start getting things and so that's why i think it's, it's an excellent idea that they should be giving away something that's going to be from the company yeah that uh, or maybe a percentage off or like i say a free consultation if it happens yeah. to be an expensive product or something exactly um that would have value because uh yeah most of it it goes in the trash or goes to the kids yeah or you know a lot of a lot of companies these days have a policy against accepting any gifts well that's true too so to give away a gift that's worth eight hundred or a thousand dollars, you know some some companies won't allow their employees to accept it. Well, flash drives are a big thing I've noticed over the last several years mm-hmm. that companies are giving because rather than a brochure, they'll give you a flash drive. It doesn't have a lot of room on it necessarily. I mean, it doesn't do you any good to erase that and use that for yourself because it it only has maybe a gig on there or something. But uh, anyhow, yeah, you get some free flash free free flash drives. Boy, say that three times. <laughs> Yeah, that's uh, that, that's a popular gift. I mean, there's a lot. I mean, there's so many things. You know, there's still people still giving away, you know, personalized pens. You know, some people they, yeah. they don't put a lot of thought into their into their trade show giveaway. But there's so many, so many companies out there who do the imprinted premiums. You just have to be a little creative 
try and tie it into your messaging somehow. Mm-hmm. Or like I said, even better for a bigger prize, you know, something that's actually from your company. Do you talk with the companies also and try to give them some sort of trade show advice 101 as far as people working the booth saying don't be drinking and eating behind the booth and you know different tips like that you go and meet with them or yeah um i don't really do that what i do is and i don't really want to be in the you know the boothsmanship like the booth policeman yeah (laughs) yeah but but actually someone who's teaching people how to do trade show selling Hmm. You know, to be a, come in a day before and do a full day training seminar on, mm-hmm. you know, that's not really, I don't, that's not my expertise. Okay. I mean, I know a lot about it, but I probably wouldn't enjoy doing that. But mm-hmm. what I like to do is come in the morning of the show and meet with the booth staff. And as they're doing their pre-show meeting, you know, telling everybody, you know, this is the scanner. This is how the scanner works mm-hmm. for the lead retrieval. Uh, this is where the cold water bottles are in the refrigerator. You know, this station is station A. This is station B. This is demo three. This is demo four. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is uh, Seth Kramer. And he is our crowd draw. He's going to be mm-hmm. And they give me anywhere from five to ten minutes to tell the employees the best ways, I tell them the best way to use me at the show to their advantage. Mm-hmm. That I'm not there to just gather a crowd and then let the crowd leave. So what do you tell them? What is the best way of using you? Well, the best way to use me is to, it's a team effort. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a team effort. My job is to get the crowd there. And your job is to make sure that you don't let them leave without, you know, having a uh, at least a one point of a contact. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, this that everybody should have one point of contact, either getting a badge scanned, you know, be at the booth, look at the people who are there. Mm-hmm. Look at the badges. Look at the badges. You know, right. we're at FISM right now. We all have a badge. Right. So you look at the badge, see see the names on the badge, see what company they work for. Sure. Don't let me gather a crowd and watch my show, never look at the badges, and then at the end of my show, just let them walk away. Right. You know, be there. Try and be, you know, proactive in engaging them. I only know so much, and I tell them, I only know so much. Mm -hmm. I have a list of information that I know that I'm going to deliver, but it's your job to be there to answer questions. I I don't want to have to come running to find you. I want somebody here at the end of every presentation that I do Mm -hmm. to answer questions. Things like that. Those are the things that I try and tell them. Yeah, that makes sense. Those are uh, those are good points to to make sure you tell people. But when you say wanting to use you, I was thinking for an example, they may be talking with one of their favorite clients, and they'll say, "Hey, have you seen our magician yet?" Right, and that's then another. You come over, and you'll do. A that's another thing that I trick. talk about. Correct. I tell them you know if they have a special client, if they have a you know number one customer or somebody or a brand new client that mm-hmm. uh, you know, oh, have you met Seth? Seth. Right, and then I start my show right there, and they get a presentation. You know, I I do have my show is I won't say timed, you know, to specific times of the day. Mm -hmm. Uh, I do promise my client up to two shows per hour for the duration of the day. Yeah, but if a you know a salesperson comes over or a VP comes over and says, "Have you met Seth?" and I'll start a show if I need to and, and do that for them. And it's a great way for me to get the show started. That's good advice also to have a start and stop time, much mm-hmm. like 
I've always compared street magicians and buskers to trade show guys because you're doing the same thing. You're trying yeah. to stop a crowd, and you got to start and finish. And you, at the end of uh, busking, you're trying to get people to put money in the hat. And here you're trying to get people to walk into the booth. Right, and, and collect leads. And collect leads, exactly. And uh, and get those cards scanned and everything in there. Some club clubs, companies have like a little club area, if you will, that's a private VIP room, mm-hmm. either upstairs or they got yeah. a room or something. I assume that you've been asked to work those areas exclusively then also and i I have how do you interact with uh, clients there because in other words that's a hard pitch place i mean if if those are top clients are coming in usually they're clients you already know so how do you interact right so that's more of a hospitality type of a situation that's where i'm leading to so it's a hospitality situation within the booth yeah um i haven't done it all that often although for the um there, I used to do the uh, the shows for the men's clothing, the men's apparel industry, and I had a client in that industry, and that's what they hired me to do, to be there. Uh, it was an order-taking show. They would write oh. business at the show. Wow. Most, most trade shows, Don't. business isn't written. Right. This particular show, which took place in Las Vegas twice a year, um, clients would come in and actually write their business. Was that the magic show? Yeah, the magic. It's called the magic show. Yeah. Men's Apparel Guild in California. Mm-hmm. M-A-G-I-C. It's, a, it's the biggest show in Vegas. It was a huge show. It's, it's yeah. as big or larger than the electronics consumer, uh, no? I don't remember. It used to be close to 100,000 people would yeah. come through there. It was a huge show. And my client decided rather than have me try and they knew who their customers were. They didn't need me to bring in new customers. Mm-hmm. They knew all their clients. They had all of their uh, customers lined up with appointments. Mm-hmm. So my job was to make sure that they, while they were waiting for their sales rep, if they were running long, if the sales rep was running long with a, another right. appointment, right. rather than have send the people away and have them come back, have me there to keep them in the booth to engage them for the 5, 10, 12, 15 minutes mm-hmm. while we're waiting, f- you know, instead of having to leave and come back, yeah. to keep them at the booth until the salesperson was ready. Hmm. So that's that was my job. Well, speaking of hospitality suites, uh, that's where I was eventually wanting to lead to. Uh, I I don't. Do you see that as as being as I start to say lucrative, or perhaps as uh, as many those shows as there used to be? And I say go up into their suites uh, after hours of having a hospitality suite. Do they do they still do? Many? I I haven't. I've done very few. So I do more trade shows than I do suites. Yeah. Well, I, I've. I do. I do. Uh, in one particular, just in the uh, petrochemical industry, um, petroleum refining, mm-hmm. that that uh, that industry, um, I do have uh, two clients there, and they still do hospital. In fact, the entire reason I'm there is for their hospitality suites in the evening. They have a show, a small trade show. They're usually within a hotel, a Hilton or a Marriott, mm-hmm. and it's a small trade show. Maybe there are thirty. 30 booths at the trade show but the evenings is where you have every company that's at the show mm-hmm. you know 35 or so to 50 companies and each of them have a hospitality suite in the in the uh, hotel yeah and they bring me there to keep the customers out of their competitors hospitality of suites of course right so my job is to do my magic there and entertain them so now keep, there, keep people there. This would go back to your restaurant days, I guess, and everything of trying to work tables and or cocktail parties and things like that as well. But oh, as far as quite a, quite a few of those as well, and st- and still do. 
But but as far as trying to have a variety of material, because you want to keep them there, I mean, you talk about having an act for the trade show of four or five core things that you'd be mm-hmm. doing over and over and over, and people will come back to see. Uh, but when you're in the context, particularly trying to keep them from going to someone else's hospitality suite, do you have, like, uh, just a pockets full of stuff that you say, like, well, let me show you something, or another card trick? I mean, you got endless card tricks. I have endless do, card but- tricks, and I have a lot of material. Like I said, I have about 30 different things, and... That's plenty. I mean, that is plenty. Sure. And and I don't go continuously. Again, I try and run it more more than me going to them. Mm-hmm. I try and have them come to me. Sure. So kind of like doing almost like the trade show setup within the hospitality suite. Mm-hmm. So I have a station within the suite. And, you know, every so often I will do a show or start a show or do something or grab people over. You know, new people come into the room. And I'll do something for them. Mm -hmm. Uh, And every once in a while, I'll do a full, you know, 15 or 20 minute set. Right. So it's an interesting, you know, an interesting uh, dynamic way of using me. Yeah. 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 Uh, But again, going back to my point, are you finding there are fewer or more or the same? Number of hospitality well, suites. I don't do is that work. many of them, but for this particular industry, I still do about the same okay. number. For, so you know, it varies from industry. Yeah, it varies from industry to industry. This particular industry is the one I do it the most for, mm-hmm. um, and I still do. You know, probably four of them a year. And talking about the invisible type of thing that's harder to try mm-hmm. to sell, do you find that to be more challenging and fun, or do you, what? What industry is your favorite? I don't really have a favorite industry. I mean, some people uh, like to work the toy industry because you got a lot of fun things to play with. And yeah, uh, you know, I, I always find that... I think Charles Green, like working the pharmaceuticals, I think that's amazing to be able to remember all of those no, drugs and things. absolutely, absolutely. You know? And that was never, you know, that was never my... I do a lot of high-tech, you know, a lot of high-tech yeah. companies. I do a lot of stuff in the uh, petroleum refining industries. You know, I do stuff in the medical industry, not necessarily pharmaceutical, mm-hmm. but... Um, medical device manufacturing, mm-hmm. things of that nature. So I, I, and I always tell people, I know a little bit about a lot of things. Mm-hmm. So I always I always learn something, yeah. and I find it interesting to learn, and I always found it fascinating to learn about new technology before it hits mm-hmm. you know, the market, marketplace, the yeah. general marketplace. Uh-huh. So I always found that really to be the most interesting part of the job. When you... In your lecture notes, again, talk about the, the contract. What are some of the most important things that people should remember if they don't have a copy of your notes, which in a minute we'll talk about where they could go to get that. But uh, what's most important that people should have in their contract? Well, my contract is more, and I don't call it a contract. I call it a confirmation letter. Mm-hmm. That's the big difference. I, you know, I went to law school, but I'm not a lawyer, and I never practiced law. Mm-hmm. But the most important thing that I learned is that everybody understands, you know, all of the rules. Everybody understands everything. Yeah. I don't make it complicated. It's my name. I'm working for such and such a company on such and such a date, Mm -hmm. such and such a place. I will do so many shows over so many hours, and I describe that. And there's a particular way that I word it. So that I'm not being taken advantage of by mm-hmm. by the companies, which you learn the hard way. Mm-hmm. Um, so, just everything is just spelled out. It's more of a confirmation letter than a contract. Mm-hmm. 
do you understand every, you know I say this is where I'll be this is how many days I'll need to stay this is how much it costs you're going to need to pay for my airfare my hotel my meals my ground transportation that's and everybody it's just a list of it's a letter yes. that, that just lays everything out I just want to like arrive a- this day I'm going to leave this day Right, and those are the things you know. You just lay it out for them, and it's pretty simple. I have a, a pretty simple cancellation policy, which mm-hmm. is you can't cancel, but depending on the situation, I, I can credit a deposit towards a future show mm-hmm. because I don't really, tr- you know, I just try to uh, just make that very, you know, people don't can't cancel the. You know, the last minute. Yeah, you know? unless the company goes out of business or something. I mean, during COVID, that there were situations. Correct. There, there, are, there, like are, always there are, be some... there are exceptions, of yeah. course. Yeah, but what I like about that is it's written in plain English, so it's not legalese Correct. necessarily. No legalese at all. Yeah, so they feel as if that I understand exactly, like we're just talking right, right. now, what this letter says exactly. and what the meaning is. They still have to run that through legal, but uh, but for the most it's part, pretty straightforward. Yeah, it is straightforward. Right. There's really not much I have ever had been using that confirmation letter uh, that they've come back and said, ask me questions or didn't understand right. or legally said. very simple. Yeah. And it's only what, I think about six pages or something, <clears throat> including the ex- uh, execution pages. Is it four pages, maybe? My, my confirmation letter? Yeah. Well, probably two pages. Mm, okay. Maybe I expanded mine a little bit. So mine's like three or four pages. Yeah. Maybe two pages. Uh, you know, it depends on, I guess, how you format it. It could be three pages. Because sometimes the first page comes out a, printed a little funky, but mm-hmm. yeah, it's basically two or two to three pages. Yeah, uh, now, but it's very simple, very simple to understand. But that goes kind of the heart of one of the things I think, and I've been trying to impress on people who are working on a part-time basis, full-time, even if you're an amateur and uh, in, in not working much at all, uh, it's still important to have a contract with a client. Doesn't yes. I don't care if it's a birthday party to Absolutely. trade shows or whatever you're doing as far as whether you're getting $50 or $50,000. They need know. to have some skin in the game. You yes. need a deposit. Mm-hmm. You need to have a deposit. Do you have like a set deposit, like a percentage or price you know what? or I value? Try, I try and get 50%. Okay. These days, um, I used to get maybe between probably 25 to 30%. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, we're dealing with big companies. Most of my clients are fairly large companies. Mm-hmm. And for me to have to float them for 60 or 90 days until I get paid, um, that's really not no. something I care to do anymore. So that's why you tell them 50% yeah, up front? 50% up front. And I tell them 50% and the, the other balance on or before the show date so they can get that to me at okay. the show. So it's not like net 30 after the... No, I try hmm. to get that second check hmm. at the show and the net 30 or 60, depending on my client, would be for my actual expenses, which would be air, hotel, meals, and I would compile that after the show and then send them a receipt with the receipts. Do you prefer a per diem or you just charge them like no, if you I'd have a sandwich whatever it is. I'd, I'd lose whether you have a steak or sandwich you, you lose I, I i always found that if i did a per diem that i would lose in the long run hmm. um because how you know different cities are hmm. you know san francisco and new york city very different than going to uh you know denver yeah denver it's mm-hmm. very different it's very expensive you know if i gave them a per diem in new york city i'd have to have you know pizza and right. a sandwich and who wants to have that every day? You know, breakfast in New York City, even at a a modest, you know, modest diner, 
is, you know, $25. So when you were saying that you will bill them later for actual expenses, do you have a limit as to saying, because some places, as you say, it might be higher or lower, saying I'll send you receipts uh, after the show for the balance due. Mm -hmm. Uh, And sometimes they might question you and say, well, but what if you go out and have steak for every meal and you charge us $500 a day or... You, know, you learn not to be a pig. Yeah, but they don't know you, particularly if you well, just you finish what, a Zoom they, meeting and you're talking they, with them for the first if, time. If they do know, I do have conversations with people, and I do try and build a relationship before I, before my first show. Mm-hmm. I do have several conversations with the client. I'm not there to take advantage of their expense account. That's not why I'm there. I, I have a self-imposed limit. Mm-hmm. I self-impose a limit on myself. Sure. If if I decide I want to go for a steak at a high-end steak place, sometimes my client will take me out for dinner. Sure, of course. And and that's so a meal I don't have to. I don't right. have. To, and if they pay me a per diem, they would be losing. That's true too. So if they take me out for dinner, so that that's fine. But if I want to go out for an expensive dinner. I don't feel that the client needs to pay for my expensive dinner. I so I have a, a limit. Usually it's $20 for breakfast, about $20 for lunch, and about $35 to $40 for dinner. Really? That, okay. That's my limit. Mm-hmm. Anything over and above that, I'll, I'll take it. And I can, yeah. I can pretty much do that almost anywhere. Sure. And if it's in New York and it's $25 for breakfast or... If it's in San Francisco and it's, you know, I'm in a convention center, they know what it costs in the convention center yeah. for lunch. Yeah, yeah. I'm giving them receipts. Mm-hmm. They can see them having a sandwich and a bottle of water. Yeah, you're not getting crazy. They know what it costs. Mm-hmm. You know, having this and they know what it costs. Right. It's not like I'm not giving them receipts and say, well, this is how much it is. So basically what you're negotiating with them is just how much per day or for the show that you will charge. Correct. Okay. And, and then, that's usually the same, unless there's something extraordinary that they need me to do. You, like bring an illusion in the show. Or, right. You say the same, you mean from show to show, so it doesn't yeah, client vary, to client. Mean? Everybody okay. pays the same. Okay. Whether it's a small client or a big client, you know, a big name or everybody pays the same. It doesn't matter whether also if there are 10,000 or 100,000 people to show? Nope. Okay. doesn't matter. doesn't matter if there are 1,000 people at the show. Yeah. Because it takes just as much of your time. That's why yeah. I look at it. If I'm, prepared if, I'm, everything. If, I'm, if I'm giving them two days of my time, yeah. it doesn't matter. I'm not the one who's in charge of the trade show. Mm-hmm. I'm there to help them maximize their experience. Right. You know, whether there's 500 people there or 50,000 people there, mm-hmm. I'm there to get them the most people. If there are 500 there, I, I'm sure that I will see every one of those 500 people. Mm-hmm. You know, Something they may not, not have been able to do without me. Right. So they're getting the same benefit, and they're getting the same number of days. Mm-hmm. There's no reason they should pay less. Well, there are some shows which might be more local or they're smaller. They're home shows or things which the local Home Depot guys or somebody comes out, and that's open to the public. And it's a little bit different kind of an audience who walks through their, that kind of a show mm-hmm. versus corporate executives. Right. That's not really a trade show. Those are consumer shows, that's and I don't really do too many of those. I, I was going to say, because they don't pay. No, and, and there's no reason for them to have somebody there to me you know look if it's a local show like and a boat it, show a, or something look, yeah. yeah 
Well, the boat shows is, yes, a consumer show, but it's a huge show. Mm -hmm. And those are very, very big shows. And those are shows that I have done. I've done so boat the, shows and car I've shows. I've done, yeah, I've done, I haven't done the car shows. Um, that's not really something that I've done. But I've done, I worked for uh, a big uh, 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 company. Like Evan Rudin yeah, or something. Yeah, um, Kawasaki. Hmm. Uh, I did shows for them for probably 10 years. Hmm. And I did all of the boat shows in New York, the Miami, uh, the L.A. boat show. I, I did, I don't know, eight or 10 boat shows a year for them for, hmm. for 10 years. And uh, So that's yeah, different from a consumer show that we're talking yeah, about that's just a... Correct, yeah. It's a big, they're they got big, lawn and huge, gutters. gigantic yeah. shows. Mm -hmm. Not not the shows where local merchants come in. Okay. And, you know, you have uh, you know, the Long Island Garden Show, for mm -hmm. example, where you have, you know, landscaping companies from Long Island, you know, you know roof and gutter people and right. the leaf protector, you know, the gutter leaf protector people are You there. don't think they need magicians? Not really. Okay. Because people are coming looking for... They're coming and looking. They're kicking tires. It's not that kind of show. Right. It's not really that kind of show. These are the people who I, normally would shop at Home what Depot. What I will say, though, it's a good training ground. Oh, that's good advice. It's a good training ground. So, yes, you will not make the kind of money that you're going to make at a regular trade show, but you can get very, very good experience because you could learn about the gutter guard mm -hmm. and the, the leaf the leaf people and yeah. learn what their product does and how you know how it protects the the garage building. door openers and, or whatever yeah. yeah whatever whatever that product is you learn how to build the message into your routine you learn how to you know gather the crowd you learn what tricks you can do it and it's good practice mm -hmm. it's a very very good practice and also doing table magic at restaurants that's great practice as well for honing your material uh, that's a great way to get the reps in. And so have you worked? Uh, we talked at the beginning about restaurants. So you have been, uh, oh, you cut I've your teeth early, you think, I've on that? Or? Yeah, not so much anymore, but mm -hmm. uh, over the years I've done lots and lots of restaurants. I've done, I still do tons of private parties and mm -hmm. um, everything from bar and bat mitzvahs to weddings. Uh, I've probably done social events, probably close to 100,000 tables. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, just trying to figure it out in my head. Right. You know, just bar and bat mitzvahs alone in New York, I've probably done 3,500 of them myself. That's a big business in New York yeah, City. huge business in mm -hmm. New York. Huge business. I've done some in Houston. In fact, uh, I'm sure you're probably getting to the age that you've seen this also, in which someone will call you and say, well, you did my bat mitzvah, and I'd like for you to do my daughter's. Absolutely. <laughs> that happens very frequently now. Yeah, as we're yeah. getting older. And they remember it. They remember yeah. it from their bar and bat mitzvah. Exactly. Yeah, it's it has a great, great time, and they have, want the same magician, same experience yeah. for their children. Yeah, so it's amazing. So that that's a great that's a great feeling. I I did a, a, a woman's bat mitzvah. Um, she's probably 35 years old now. Mm-hmm. And she hired me to do her dad's birthday. So she remembered me from her bat mitzvah, mm -hmm. you know, 25 years ago and hired me for her dad's 75th birthday. Yeah. You know, so things like that are happening. You just never know where you never know. things are going to be coming from. That yeah. Someone has seen you and remember you, but you need to have, I think, that good branding which uh, will allow people to find you over right. the years because you can't keep changing your your look and your brand and everything because no. people will forget who you are 
and the important thing is to do a good enough job that people will remember that. Good you know, point. you want to leave a, you want to leave people, you know, with a great experience. You know, it's all about the experience that they have. When you were working restaurants, were you with the same intent? I remember that Charles Green was the third was doing this in Houston, trying to work at good restaurants and and uh, country clubs and the bars and restaurants in order to have that right kind of clientele that would book him for trade shows that he can kind of then leverage. Not that. necessarily for trade shows. That was never my intent but because New York, New York is not a big trade show market. Believe it or not, mm. they have some trade shows. Not like Chicago. Not like Chicago at all. Not like Chicago at all. They have some shows in there. You know, if I do one or two shows a year in New York, it's a lot. That's interesting. Yeah. They they do have some, Mm. but it's not like Las Vegas or Chicago or Orlando. You think it has to do with unions unions and some of the... I think that's part of it. I just think also it's expensive Mm -hmm. to do a trade show in New York where you're having 100,000 people come in. True. Vegas is really well-equipped to handle it. Orlando is well-equipped to handle it. Chicago is well-equipped to handle it. And it's very expensive. Mm -hmm. Nobody wants to send their company there and have to spend three or $400 a night on a hotel room. That's right. When they can go to Las Vegas and you get a $99 room rate and a beautiful... And reasonable price food, too. Yeah, reasonable price food Mm -hmm. in a beautiful hotel, you know. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that's part of the other Good point. So the types of restaurants you were working, it didn't matter whether it was Mostly for private parties. So they were high-end restaurants. Okay. But they were in in neighborhoods where I would be able to meet people who could have, who were throwing big parties. Did you busk the tables? In other words, that you were going in and not being employed by the restaurant? No, I was employed by the okay. restaurant. Okay. So you were paid whatever. Yeah. What are they getting used in? A fraction I mean, of the amount of money that I would make well, at a course. private party. I was going to say, I don't know, but about there, I'd be lucky to get $50 an hour. Yeah, I would it was think. more than that. When yeah. I, back when I was in college and did restaurants, that's about what it was. Mm-hmm. But you're probably looking at, you know, for an evening, yeah, probably around... Yeah, somewhere around closer to a hundred an hour, at eighty-five an hour, seventy-five. Because an hour. you're not an, an employee; you are no, actually not employee, a, a yeah. Because they got yeah. the the servers who are getting minimum wage exactly, and so that's another thing. Trying to work with the servers to uh, for them to say, "Hey, you need to see the magician over here," because that will in working with them that will increase their tips because they're getting your attention or their yeah. And I always make it about table. the waiter. I never. That's good. I, I always make it about the waiter. Mm-hmm. In fact, one of my opening things that I do for them, and I say, and I give them something right when I walk up. This is a gift from your waiter. Hmm. That's the first thing I say to them. Oh, uh, uh, Joe, he sent me over. This is for you. this little gift for you. What kind of uh, tchotchke do you give them? Well, it's not a tchotchke. It's a locked. Oh. It's a locked box. Oh, okay. <laughs> and they just look at it, and they go, hmm. "Where's the key?" And I hold it out. Yeah. And I reach over just as they're gonna grab it. I take it back and I put it in my pocket. I say, this isn't going to be easy. You're going to have to work for this. <laughs> and that's my approach to the table. Okay. Huh. I like that. That's good. And at the end, they get a unique gift. Can you share that? Yeah. What is it? It's John Allen's destination box. Mm-hmm. And they get the signed card at the end with the, their name on the it. The signed card, right. I thought a one-of-a-kind gift. Mm-hmm. Never so be repeated. It's very cool. Yes. Very cool way to get to the table. It's a great opener. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've gotten a lot of mileage with that trick, <laughs> and John knows it. Uh, good recommendation uh, right there then, too. When you're working in those restaurants, how do you get 
to them? Are they more open in New York to having magicians come in and work these yeah. high-end restaurants, or do you really have to work hard to get them to? You have to work hard like anything else. Yeah. You know, people, don't, they, they don't get it right. until they see it, and sometimes right. people don't even want to see it. Mm-hmm. You know, either the restaurant's busy enough. You know, where I live now, uh, there's a, some beautiful restaurants. They don't need me. Yeah. They don't need me because the restaurant is beautiful. The view that people mm-hmm. get out of the, most of it, because I live um, on the other side of uh, the Hudson River from New yeah. York City, right on, the, uh, right on the water. So our backyard is the entire skyline of Manhattan. Wow. So there are probably 10 restaurants along the stretch where we yeah. live mm-hmm. that have that view of Manhattan. Mm-hmm. They, they don't need me. Right. They have the view of Manhattan. They don't want to take away from... No. Sure. That no. makes sense. And you learn that. You learn that. Right. But they will recommend me for private parties. They'll recommend me for weddings or bar mitzvahs. Or, mm-hmm. And they're happy to do that. And when you're doing... That's another, that's another end of the business for them. And when you're doing a corporate party, then do you do strolling cocktails, I assume, as well yeah, as absolutely. after dinner type stand-up things? Tons of those. Mm-hmm. Stand-up show. I do a mind-reading show. I don't do so much magic anymore. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, the anybody, club. like anybody else, well, and it's not <laughs> As because we get older. it's not because I don't know magic. I still like to haul the stuff. It's not even I don't like to haul the stuff. Me. I find I don't know if I'm just a, I, don't, I don't know what it is, but the reaction you get from a, a mentalism show is mm-hmm. way different than you get from true doing a magic show. Which I was trying to get to, and earlier. it's not about me not liking magic. No, no, and, no, and it's that me not being a good magician. I think I'm a pretty good magician. You are. I no, I understand. Agree with that. I was going to say though, back on trade shows, do you think mentalism works in trade show environment? Just try to try to get it somebody. It does, but I won't do only mentalism at the trade show. Mm-hmm. I just that's not a good that's not a good fit for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, and it's not a good way for me to. Uh, get my messaging in all the time, mm-hmm. so I I do one or two mentalism pieces, but not to not to beginning to to attract them to not the, to attract it's, them it's to a the middle book. piece. It's a middle piece or just like a book test or something or book maybe a watch or trick. a peak or a billet routine right. or something. Uh, I know there's a bunch of things that I do, but it's not. I only do one. Mm-hmm. One piece in in a show. I won't do a whole mentalism trade show set. I would think uh, that'd I do, kill. I mean, and I mean that it would die. So yeah, I mean. <laughs> exactly. I and I do. I do a blindfold routine in my trade show set sometimes, but I will only do it once a day. Mm-hmm. And I tell people, come back at four o'clock if you want to see something really special. Just once a day. Because I was doing one time at a trade show doing a night's tour uh, where we had a television screen and I had a blindfold I was doing some magic up to that point and then as I was doing the night's tour then every once in a while I would peel off the blindfold just to look at the audience and say and whenever they would, I would get them to the next number let's say like 16 or whatever and, so, and we have 16 different patents for this uh, product and, da, 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 da. and I also want to take off the mask see, make sure people hadn't left I, right. I see I'm getting more and more people because they're thinking what's happening over it's there the with blindfold. this it's the blindfold exactly yeah, absolutely. That, that's bringing... but only do it once a day because the huh. blindfold is a lot of wear and tear on your face Huh? Yeah. I mean, I was doing it like six times a day. Well, because it's not just a blindfold. It's the coins. It's the Oh, I don't do all tape. that. I just it's have a the blindfold. blindfold. You know, okay. it's the duct tape on your face. Okay, I understand that. You can't that. do that more no. than once a day. But right. I tell yeah. people early in the day at 4 o'clock, come back. We're going to be doing And that's at the end of the day, and that's a difficult time to get a crowd. The second side. But sure yeah. enough, 4 o'clock, yeah. there's a lot of people there. Hmm. And they see something special. But they don't even know what you're talking what it, about. They don't even know what it's going to be. They're just saying, come back for something come special. Come back for something special yeah. at 4 o'clock. Okay. Interesting. And that's the end of the day, and it's a great 
just a great way to get people to come back. Wow. And then during, you know, they'll come, you know I get my usual crowds during the day at 4 o'clock when it, things are, you know, all the other exhibits are dying down. Mm-hmm. My client has, you know, sometimes 50, 60, 100 people standing yeah. in the aisle. So. Wow. Um, so as we start to wrap up, what is the website where people can go to get your lecture notes and other information? Well, my, my corporate website is trafficstoppers.com. Mm-hmm. And the order page for my trade show handbook is trafficstoppers.com forward slash handbook. And that's uh, that's for, to order the modern trade show handbook. Right. And, of course, the Penguin Lecture. Penguin Lecture. Sometimes I, you know, people could send me a, an email or just go to Penguin. Penguin still has that. Available. If they want to reach you, email. What the heck can they get Info you? Info at trafficstoppers.com. Easy enough. Yeah. As we do close, the name of my podcast is called The Magic Word, and I always like to know what it is that are people. What's important to you? What's your philosophy? So, see, none of your guests ever really think about this in advance. I've heard. <laughs> I, I didn't know you were going to, but you ask this question at every podcast. Every time. And they say, I didn't know you were going to ask me that. How's that possible? <laughs> but you're a listener, so you but know. I'm a listener. <laughs> but this is something that is something that has been uh, my philosophy for a long time. Mm-hmm. And it's if you love what you do, you won't work a day in your life. And that's my philosophy. That's true. And that's that's why I always see a smile on your face, because you have been loving everything, and you are involved with so many things, as you said, with uh, f- from restaurants and corporate parties and bar mitzvahs and bat mitzvahs and, and everything uh, all over the country, uh, as well as trade shows, that uh, yes. just keeping your fun and you're enjoying it, and so you're not working. You're just loving every day. Having a good time. You're having a good time. It's well, I certainly good. had a good time today. Yeah, I'm glad we finally had a chance to do this. <laughs> My friend, this has been far too long, but I appreciate the time of you sitting yeah. down with us. Thank you for having you bet. So for the Magic Word Podcast, that's my buddy. It's Seth Kramer. This is Scotty Out. Thank you very much, Seth, for being my guest this week and also for your patience as long as it's taken to finally release this episode. But the information was really uh, gold. That was really some uh, golden advice in there, and I, I love it. I mentioned uh, the first of this episode that uh, Seth was going to be giving away something. Let me also say that he's got a special deal for a limited time as well that you can get not only his copy of A Magician's Trade Show Handbook, but also his uh, Penguin Lecture. The two of those at a discounted rate. If you'll go to the website at the Magic Word Podcast, it gives a little bit more detail on where you can go to order that and sending him an email. But basically, it was $95. He's got the two of those marked down to $75. But while you're at the website at themagicwordpodcast.com, please enter the contest. This is a contest where two copies of Trade Show Handbook will be uh, given away, and he will be sending those postpaid in the U.S. If it's outside the U.S., then we can calculate whatever the foreign postage is. And if you agree to reimburse him for the foreign postage, if you're a winner, then he will send those to you when you pay for the postage to get it to wherever outside of the U.S. But if you are living domestically, that is postpaid. So all you have to do is just put in your name and email address, and then a randomly selected name or two names actually will be selected over the next couple of weeks. I'm going to leave this contest open for a couple of weeks, so it'll be into 2023 before we actually draw those names. 
Well, again, we're going into the new year, so I want everyone to be careful and to watch your step because you carry precious cargo, and I want you to be careful out there, and I hope that next year brings you great prosperity and good health and fortune and uh, joy as well. And so until next week, stay well, get booked, and remember that if you love what you're doing, you never work a day in your life. This is Scotty out, and Happy New Year!